Good to see everyone here this afternoon, and I'll adjust it down a little bit. Uh, if you would, turn to Romans, the 12th chapter. Romans, the 12th chapter, and we'll be looking at verse 14 here in a moment. Again, like I said, it's certainly good to see you here, and uh, it being the fourth Sunday, Kyle's not up here, but a guest speaker, and I'm that guest speaker today. But I was looking at this lesson, and I thought it tied in well with, number one, what the Bible study, John talked about this morning, and well, among other topics within there, but of hatred, and what hatred can do, and how it can lead to things uh, that, well, we shouldn't be doing. And so the lesson today is titled, To Bless and Curse Not. And if we look... In Romans 12 and in verse 14, it says, Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. And so I think that fit well with our Bible study this morning. And, and then, of course, what uh, Kyle had talked on this morning as well, defilements that come from within. It just kind of all ties together. And if we look starting in earlier in, in uh, chapter 12, you can see a lot of things. Uh, verses 1 and 2, it tells us that we are called to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable to God. And that means that we've got to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That means we've got to prove or test or demonstrate what is God's good, acceptable, and perfect will. And if we look through the verses leading up to verse 14, in verse 9 it says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Verse 10 says, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor giving preference to one another. Verse 11 tells us that we're not lagging in diligence. We're fer fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Verse 12 tells us that we are rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfast in prayer. And then verse 13 says, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. And so when we see all these verses leading up to it, these are things that we can do to help present our bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God. In other words, it's a way that we're starting to transform our mind, transform the way that we do things, the renewing of our mind. And in verse 14, it says, Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. And so when someone tells you that, that's just something you can do right off, just like Kyle was talking about with his, I came in and slapped him. Even though he didn't have any carbs, I told him, I said, I think he was thinking he might have thought he had one, so I went ahead and slapped him just in case. But, uh, you know, I like breadsticks. And so not having a breadstick is going to be difficult. And so when someone tells you to bless and do not curse, that's going to be hard. That's not human nature. You know, if somebody slaps me, I want to slap them back. I mean, isn't that the way that you feel whenever someone wants to do something to you? If you I'm going to do double back to you, and especially as kids. I mentioned that this morning, uh, John talking about his babysitter. He said, I hate you. And so it's one that we've got to work at it. And so which one, you know, trying to do something against our human nature. We've got to try to seek to respond in, you know, that's what we want to do is seek to respond in kind, but we've got to bless and not curse. And so as we consider what is revealed in the Bible regarding this command, then we can 
hopefully better understand why this part of God's holy and acceptable and perfect will for us is, is available, you know, what we can do. And so if we look at the command defined to bless, first of all, is the Greek word eulogio, and I practice it, I still messed it up, as defined by Strong's. It means to praise, to celebrate with praises, to invoke blessings. And so some commentators, uh, one commentator says, the word bless here means to speak well of or to, not to curse again or to slander, but to speak of those things which we commend in an enemy. Or if there is nothing that we can commend, to say nothing about him. So, you know, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all, I guess is kind of what it turns out to be. Uh, another commentator says, pray for them, wish well for them. So if your enemy is, if he, whoever that is is your enemy, how easy is that going to be is to sit there and pray for them and wish well for them? We've got to work at it. We've got to renew our mind. We've got to change our mind. And we can find this command given by both Christ and Peter. If we look in Matthew chapter 44, uh, 55 and in verse 44, it says, But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. All the things it's going to be difficult to do. Luke chapter 6 and in verse 28 says, Bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. So again, there's, it's said again. 1 Peter 3 and in verse 9. 1 Peter 3 and in verse 9 says, Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. So here we have, we are called to this as Christians. And then we can note that, you know, Paul gives this exhortation, you know, twice, you know, perhaps implying the challenge of this duty. We've got to understand that it's not going to be easy. Well, to curse not, you know, the, word, the Greek word for curse is katoraomai, omei, which Strong's defines as to curse, doom, imprecate evil upon. And uh, the, a commentator says, to implore a curse from God to rest upon others. To pray that God would destroy them. In a larger sense, still, it means to abuse by re reproachful words. To, to calumniate, 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 I'll get it right. It means to make false or, you know, and, and def defamatory statements about is what that word means. It means to belittle, it means to degenerate. So we don't need to be doing that. That is, you know, what we do when we're cursing someone in this case. You know, we're expressing oneself uh, in a violent, profane, and outrageous manner. And so when he saith curse not, he means wish no evil upon, wish no evil upon your enemy. And so we can then say one that can obey this precept is a transformed man. Because it is a difficult, it's a, it will be very difficult for us if we're not practicing and making our way toward that, being more Christ-like, looking to Christ as that example, because we need that guide. And so as challenging as this precept may seem, we have several examples for us uh, to show that it is possible. And so we have the command depicted. Number one, if we look in Job chapter 1 and in verse 8, we have the character of Job. 
You know, it's described by God. What did God say? He said, Then Lord, the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? And this verse, you know, let's look at it as an aside to this to me, is we as human beings, we, we, don't, we, we like the thank yous. We like the praises. I'm, you know, it's, it's nice to be noticed and mentioned and talked about. And you see people today, they fawn over, you know, celebrities or those of, of power and, and uh, things. But just imagine what God just said, our creator, about Job. Could you imagine if Job heard that, number one? Just think about what Job was described as by his creator, God, our creator, a blameless and upright man. Hopefully, God is saying that about us. Are we blameless and upright as Job was? It's something to think about. But what does Job, if we get back into the lesson here, of Job verse, uh, chapter 31 and verse 29, talking about to, to uh, bless and to curse not, what did Job say? He says, If I have rejoiced at the destruction of, of him who hated me or lifted myself up when evil found him, indeed I have not allowed my mouth to sin, by asking for a curse on his soul. And so uh, Job, you know, he claimed innocence in referencing, you know, cursing of, of others. So we have the character of Job. Look at the crucifixion of Jesus. Luke chapter 23 and verse 34, as he hung upon the cross, what did he say? He said, then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then you know, through the, you know, he was an object of abuse. He was the object of mockery and blasphemy. Verse 35 says, And the people stood looking on, but even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, concerning <clears throat> coming and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And the inscription also was written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself. But they went ahead a little bit further. And us. But what does it tell us in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 23 related to uh, Jesus? 1 Peter 2 and 23 says, Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return? When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. He commended it to his Father in heaven, just as we should be doing. Well, what about us as conduct of Christians? We have Stephen as the example. When he is being stoned, what did he say? Acts chapter 7 and verse 60. And then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. Then, of course, Paul and, and the apostles, you know, they were often abused. You know, Paul went through a whole litany of things that happened to him. But 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 12 says, And we labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we endure. And so while the command may be difficult, we know it is possible to obey. Maybe people will say, well, Christ did it, but he was perfect, you know. But then we have Paul. Look at how he lived his life and how he is a complete 180 degree uh, change. He went through all that because he knew who Christ was. He knew what his end 
in this life was he wanted that home in heaven with, with the Father, with Christ. And so we need to be doing that. And so while the command may be difficult, we know it's possible to obey. And, and so how should we carry it out? Well, it is our calling. You know, we have been called to follow in Jesus' footsteps. 1 Peter 2 and verse 21. So if we go back a couple of verses as we, uh, that we had read earlier in 1 Peter 2. It says, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his footsteps, who committed no sin nor deceit was found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. We've been called to bless that we might inherit a blessing. 1 Peter 3 and verse 9 says, Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. We've been called to be partakers of the divine nature. 2 Peter 1 and verse 2, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. We've been called to be sons of our Father in heaven. As we read earlier, Matthew chapter 5 and in verse 44 it says, But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who bl uh, curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute uh, you. That you may be sons of the Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. And so it may be human nature to respond to evil with evil. But we have a higher calling. And, you know, we've gathered together in this building and, and we, don't, we can kind of push that away and, and get away from it for a while. But we, we, we have to enter into this world. We have to go back into the world. And it's needed. It's needed at work. It's needed in school. It's needed in home. At work, when employers or employees may malign you, maybe they're angling for your job. Who knows what it may be? Or they're uh, thinking that you're trying to make them do too much. You're the boss, but I don't know why. My job description may say that, but I don't feel like I should. And they may do things to you, something as simple as that, whether it's their job or not. They may malign us. In school, your classmates, and we know, I know, as uh, kids, whenever I was little, and I'm sure it, it, it's no different than today based upon Aaron and Alexa and whenever I see kids there, when I do uh, little bug shows and stuff uh, for, for their classes, that they make fun, and you think that uh, adults can be divisive and cut through you, we don't hold a candle to what some kids can do. And we've got, to have, we've got to work through that. Maybe at home we have spouses that may say or do hurtful things to one another. Or siblings. They don't always get along. They may, there, there may be times that, that sibling rivalry raises its ugly head. But with us, what about us as brethren? James chapter 4 and verse 11 tells us, Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. 
He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. 1 Peter 3 and in verse 8 says, Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tenderhearted. Be courteous. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. And so when we say or write, you know, when we have things said to us or people write things bad about us, or when people malign us or misrepresent us, we're called to that higher calling. We can't return in kind. We've got to, we've got to, to be Christ-like. We've got to look to Him as an example. We've got to look to the apostles as an example. Bless and to curse not. And not just when you know, persecuted for Christ's sake, but whenever mistreated by others. We've got to have that change in our attitude. We mentioned James chapter 4 and verse 11, but what about the example of prophets like David and and Elisha? If we look in Psalm 69, verse 22, it says, Let their table become a snare before them, and their well-being a trap. Let their eyes be darkened so that they do not see, and make their loins shake continually. 2 Kings uh, 2 and verse 24 says, So he turned around and looked at them and pronounced a curse on them in the name of the Lord. And two female bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the ewes. So here we have an example of, you know, what did they do? He pronounced a curse on them. What about apostles like Paul? You know, people may turn to that. Acts chapter 8 and verse 20 is where Peter um, said to him, Your money perish with you uh, because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. And he said, O full of all deceit and fraud, you son of the devil. You enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now, indeed, by the hand of, uh, of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell upon him. Oops, I jumped ahead of the doggone chapter. Uh, but, you know, Peter is sitting there uh, cursing, you know, the person wanting to have this power. And then Paul, you know, on his way, he was, he was blinded, and immediately a dark mist fell upon him, and he went around seeking someone to lead him. If we look in chapter 23 and verse 3, it says, Then Paul, God will strike you, said to him, you whitewashed wall, for you sit to judge me according to the law, and do you command me to uh, be struck contrary to the law? And if we look at Christ, here we are, we're finding things that tells us, you know, that Almost just the opposite of what we just got through talking about, right? What about Christ? Looking over in in Matthew chapter 23 and in verse uh, um, 13 through 33, if you start looking in there, what what does about each verse say? But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, and hypocrites, for you travel land and sea to win one proselyte and when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. And it keeps on going. You know, he's, he's not saying good things on them. And then look at verse 33. What does it say? Serpents, brood of vipers. How can you escape the condemnation of hell? Here is Christ saying some tough things. Well, 
Maybe if we look at it, and if we look in the Old Testament too, how were these folks guided? They were guided by the Holy Spirit or directly by God. So, you know, they did it by special vocation or instinct of the Spirit. God administered that through the Holy Spirit through them. And so such inspired men had the calling and the aid to administer God's wrath. I mean, Christ, of course, himself, he is God. He was administering the will of the Father. And such inspired men, you know, having that calling, well, we have the calling to administer mercy and to leave vengeance to God. What does Romans 12 and verse 19 say? Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says, says the Lord. And so may we therefore pray to God to enable us to faithfully carry out our calling. As it tells us in verse 14 of chapter 12, Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Not returning evil for evil, as it tells us in 1 Peter 3 and in verse 9, or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. And who knows, if we do things like that, perhaps, you know, by living such a, a transformed, you know, such transformed lives, it may lead to what? Others being transformed. They see that we can do it. Well, if he can do it, I know I can. I know we've all used that excuse in some way. If I can do it, I know you can do it. Well, Paul could do it. The apostles could do it. Stephen can do it. Of course, Christ, the perfect example, could do it. But we are to follow Christ. We are to follow these examples. And we can be an example to others if we put our minds to it. We transform. We renew our minds to what we want uh, to be, and that is a child of God. Do we want to be a child of God? Do we want to be called a son of God? Well, then we've got to transform our minds. If you just read the chapter of Roman, Romans to a 12th chapter, it is a lot of work. It's amazing. Uh, you can get a lot of lessons out of it, too, just in that one chapter, by just verse by verse. And if it, you can get a full lesson out of it, we can get, we can get a whole lot of our, out of our life from it if we sit down and study it. And that's why we come together every Lord's Day is because we know that it's difficult. It's hard to transform. And, of course, it's January. We, it, we've used it all, all the time, but, you know, diets are a big thing. You know, you got those New Year's resolutions. That's an easy one to go to. I use that example a lot is once you get into it, you go good for a while. But pretty soon, you know, the weight of, you know, that breadstick can weigh upon you if you're not careful. You've got to, it's a, it's a complete change. You've got to change your mind. You've got to change your attitude. And the thing about it is, is if we really want to, we change our mind. You can't tell me, and I've been guilty of it in my lifetime, of what kind of manner of tongue do you have in front of this group versus in front of a work group versus in front of your friends versus in front of someone you don't know. How do you carry your voice? You can change it at will if you so desire. And it's all because we've implanted that in our mind. It doesn't matter. It's the same with the Word of God. If we truly want to live the Word of God, we will start planting that in our hearts. 
and letting it live in our everyday lives. We will, you know, deal with those defilements from within, as Kyle was talking about this morning. We will start cleaning out that clutter so that we can live in our everyday lives the, the kind of life that God wants us to live. So if there's anyone here that needs the help of the congregation in any way, that's why we come together. Come forward as we stand and sing.